everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. And that's what we're fitting to do here, Scotty. Well, my friend, it is Monday. We have week two of the NFL in the books, week three of college football. How'd you end up? Overall, well, uh, Friday, I didn't really have any action. I took Friday off. Saturday was good, and Sunday I swept the board. So, overall, nice weekend. Nice. How's yours? Um, you know what? It's, it was a weird weekend. I went to 2-2 two and two on the premiums for the, for the second week in a row. I started off hot, hit the first two premiums right out of the gate, and then I had, my t- I had two 14.5-point covers, and they both sucked. I had Alabama to cover, and I had Toledo to cover, which that was just, holy crap, were they awful. Not good for my win total right there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from. And then on uh, Sunday, on the premium side, we went to 2-1. and one. Cardinals let us down. Needed the Cardinals to cover to make it a clean sweep, and they had, of course, first and goal. Ended up kicking the field goal, winning by one, and did not cover the number. My free plays, by the way, Scott, total disclosure, they have been uh, completely in the other direction. I've been absolutely frigid, frigid on my free picks. I went back and did a deep three on college on Saturday, Ofer, and went uh, Ofer yesterday on my two NFL picks on my segment call. I call, let's drop a deuce, the NFL. On the, on the bright side, you at least didn't lower your percentage over the last two. No, years. my percentage stayed the same. We had the, uh, the Chiefs was our, uh, was our, was our other pick, and... Yeah. Chiefs, by the way, we're going to get into that game, Ugh. but I mean, damn, could you at least try to score in the fourth quarter? I, I don't understand. You know, it's it's just it's just bizarre the way that happens. So, yeah, we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely speak to that game. Oh, I had the I had the Eagles, Scott. I had the I had the Eagles plus three and a half was my other freebie. How about that ninety-one yard uh, passing play just to I go can't. four and out on the goal? I line? can't. I can't with this stupid team. My it's so God. bad. Just it's so bad. Um, it's just one of those runs you're in, you know, where everything yeah. you do, it's just, it goes the other direction. Every 50, 50 ball there. goes the other way. We've all been there. Truth you know? is, if you have not been there as a better, you have not been betting long enough. I'll that's tell right. you that much. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I know, and I know, you know, I get, I'm, I'm probably getting roasted in the comment section as we speak for my fine performance and my free plays. So take hey, a bow onward and upward. We go, my friend, I, I feel, I feel bad about it. I really do. Cause I know, you know, we, we get a lot of listeners, we get a lot of viewers, and you want to be right. And it's two picks I'd make again. It's, it's absolutely that's that's the frustrating part. I uh, I thought the Phillies, I thought the I thought Philadelphia outplayed them, and you know the Chiefs certainly had their chance to cover. Although it, most likely they wouldn't have because Andy's the king of just getting it down there to kick about a 45, 48 yard field goal to win the game. I'm and, assuming they would have kicked the field goal no matter what, yeah. even if the fumble didn't occur. Yes, so. I, I I believe that is true unless somebody. You know, you could have had somebody on a crossing pattern or on a, on a quick slant that, that got free. I mean, truth we we certainly saw like it all night. I feel like the instructions were just fall down. We don't want that guy to get the ball again. Mm, yeah. I, I, they would have kicked it no matter what, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, like I said, unless something would have happened where you had a bone coverage or something, but they, they were not trying to score a touchdown in that situation. So. Unless the receiver was standing in the end zone, he was going to fall down short of the end zone. Yeah, just absolutely brutal. So... Anyway, like you said, onward and upward we go. We got a lot to get to today, Scott. This is our bonus Monday episode. We've got bonus beats. We've got bonus chairs, surprises. Who should be freaking out? Who should be chilling out? We're going to be a bonus chairs. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about this Monday night game that's coming up. What a barn burner that's going to be! Another great scheduling thing, huh, Scott? Uh. I feel like the standard's been pretty high with primetime games this season. Yeah, my goodness, they, we have seen some, we have seen some good ones, and yes, we have. We'll see. I, I certainly hope we don't see a good one <laughs> tonight, my friend. So, you know what? Let's get right to it, buddy. Let's find out who else took it in the shorts. Who else had a bad weekend? You know who you are. You had that winner. It was right in your hand. You were ready to cash the ticket, and then holy mackerel! Something happened at the last minute, and you got that money stolen. All you can do is call the cops. All right, my friend, let's uh, get it rolling, shall we? We're going to start in the major leagues. We're going to kind of work our way through it, Scott. If you had the uh, Tigers Friday night plus one and a half in the reverse run line against the Rays, you were looking very good. You led four to one. 
after eight innings. Oh, but game last nine innings. Scott, and that is unfortunate for that Tigers bullpen because the Rays scored three runs in the bottom of the ninth to send it to extras. And if you started feeling that weird feeling in the pit of your stomach like everything was doomed, you were correct because you're thinking, well, we're tied. All they have to do, Scott, is not hit a home run with somebody on base, and I'm in great shape. Well, sorry, they didn't hit a home run with somebody on base. They hit a home run with two somebodies on base. Three-run Walker. Tigers lose 7-4. to four. If you had Detroit plus 1.5, I'm so sorry. Call the cops. And the second one involved one of the armed forces, as you had Army going up against UConn, everyone's favorite punching bag. Oh, what, what, yeah. by the way, this was this was one of my free plays. Uh, nice. So Army was minus 34 and a half. They led by 42 at halftime. Mm-hmm. Now, you can talk about taking your foot off the gas, but Army has about three plays in the entire playbook, so it doesn't really matter who's in the game. But anyway, UConn hung in there, and then UConn scored a touchdown on fourth and goal with 108 left, and Army only won by 31 points. I can't. I can't. I can't Up even. 42 at the half. They're on pace to score 84 in the entire game. I can't even talk about that. And then uh, UConn outscored them by 11 in the second half. Just ridiculous. Hey, Scott, quick question. Who leads all of NCAA football in yards per attempt? Is it Army? It is Army. It's, and it's by a lot. They were... They were averaging 17 yards. They'd thrown 10 passes for 175 yards going in. I believe they threw four passes for 100-plus, including one TD, which is what I called on my video. I said, I promise you there will be one passing touchdown in this game for Army. And there was. Not enough. Needed a couple more, apparently. But I digress. Hey, if you had Tulsa, Ohio State under 60 and a half, you're in pretty good shape. Of course, you got Ohio State, so you know you got to sweat it, but you were sitting at 47 with three minutes and eight seconds left, Ohio State, well, you know, they're Ohio State. They don't take their foot off the gas. They scored a touchdown. And then Tulsa, oh, Tulsa, all you got to do is just run, just run. Oh, no. They threw a pick six with a minute 50 left, Scott. So in a minute and 18 seconds, you went from almost a sure thing to tearing up your ticket. Holy mackerel, call the cops. This game, one's very game obscure, land at 61, by the way. But it is Stanford's second half, minus five and a half against Vanderbilt. They led by 11 in the second half with less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And Vanderbilt's going on a garbage time drive. And unfortunately, they are at the 26-yard line with two seconds left. So you got one shot at it to win or touchdown you lose. And Vanderbilt completed a 26-yard touchdown pass at the buzzer. And Stanford did not cover the second half. They covered the full game, just not the second half. Yep, yep, brutal, just absolutely brutal. All right, can we throw can we throw the Chiefs in there? Is that is that is that a bad beat? Is that is that a call? Oh, uh, there were a couple of others we could have thrown in there. I ended up erasing one because we saved it for later in the show. Okay, but yeah, plus we're kind of running a little bit long. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's get right to it. Let's let's go to the good news, shall we, Scott? These are the nice, easy wins. You didn't have anything to worry about at all with this play. You had it handicapped right, and everything worked out just the way you said it would. You were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was between Nebraska and Oklahoma, and whether you had Nebraska plus the points or the under 63 in that game, it was nice and easy because you only had 10 points in the first half, And it's tough to cover about a 23-point spread, a 22-point spread, when the favorite only scores 23 points in the entire game. And the game ended 23-16, to so it went under by 20-plus points. Nice and easy. Either way, you got it. Every weekend, I come up with new ways for Oklahoma to disappoint me. No, I I did not. I actually didn't touch that game. I wanted wanted no part of that game. I, I thought Oklahoma would cover but I figured they absolutely would since I didn't play him, but they didn't. See, we were right about Rattler being overrated, Mm -hmm. but damn, he's been terrible. Yeah, he's he's not good. He's not, doesn't look good for the Heisman yet, does he? Uh, I said, if you were betting on him, you were burning your money. Then again, I also said Ugalele or however you correctly pronounced it. (laughs) Uagale, Uagale, sorry. But anyway, I thought he had a shot. He's been terrible too, so happens. Corral, corral, buddy. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to corral it. You sure that he he won? You sure he did enough last week? What do you have? Seven touchdowns in three quarters? Yeah, yeah. He unfortunately had to sit out the the, the fourth quarter. You know who's not going to win it? 
the kid from Presbyterian. <laughs> He, oh, yeah, he's he, not going to win. We'll get into that later. 10 touchdown passes in the first week. Uh, that may, may have been a little fool's gold. Scott, if you had the Chattanooga, is that the Mox? The Moccasins? Uh, yes. Excellent. If you had the Mox plus 33 against Kentucky, you might have thought you're in trouble. Kentucky beat the hell out of Missouri. Missouri's supposed to be good, right? Well, surprise. They're not. You know who else isn't? Kentucky. Chattanooga never trailed by more than 12 points. Kentucky only scored 28. They end up squeaking by 28-23. If you had the mocks plus 33, man, you were in the rocking chair. Looking at some NFL stuff, if you had the Bills minus three and a half against the Dolphins, you led 14 to nothing after the first quarter and won the game 35 to nothing. Nice and easy. Not the year of the Dolphins, Scott? Not quite. I know Tua got carted off with a rib injury. We can talk about that later. Not ideal seeing Jacoby Brissett back there. I thought the Bills would kill him. 35 to nothing was not the prediction I had in mind. Yeah, the Chiefs-Ravens over 53 and a half, 38 points in the first half. They didn't really stop that much because they put up 21 more in the third quarter. And that would have been a good time to turn the game off. Wish I would have done it. But you had a nice, easy winner as this game ended up 36-35. That's 71. That's way over 53 and a half. Congratulations, Chiefs-Ravens over is better. You are sitting in the rocking chair. Definitely a thrilling game, of course. I'm sure a lot of people took a beating on that game because if you struggled during the overall Sunday card, I'm sure that was the bailout special. Yeah. So now people are doubling down. Good luck to Green Bay tonight. That's all I'm going to say. Hmm. You are absolutely correct, sir. All right. Now this one, this one was one of the easiest, if not the easiest, donkeys we've ever had scott this one is so obvious it just it, there's just no question about it what is it well let's find out shall we who's strapping on the golden feed bag scott spoiler alert we got to have a lot of them because it's a whole group but we're gonna find out who is the donkey of the day i really feel like we needed them all there I didn't. I didn't cut it short. I want. That's I wanted, fair. Wanted I to make that. sure. We we got a lot of different uh, evidence points for this one. All right. You know what? I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do this one. All right. So for donkey of the day, we had a couple of options, but we really had no choice in the end. College football. It's a lot of fun when the players are making plays and when everything happens the way it should. However, officiating. Mm. is something that you can never predict. And college officials, uh, particularly the SEC crews in whichever games they were involved in, had a disastrous Saturday. And we're going to go through a couple of examples here. Can I interest you in the Memphis punt return touchdown against Mississippi State, where the ridiculous rule of the kicking team touching the ball first, and then the receiving team can grab it afterwards with no worries of fumbling, and return it for a touchdown. The rule makes no sense in general, but Mississippi State's guy has a knee on the ground, which is down in college terms. He's got a hand over the ball, and it looks like he's possessing it, and then Memphis's guy just rips it out of his hands, takes it to the crib, touchdown. They win the game by exactly two points, and the crew at the end says that not only was the play call uh, questionable, but Memphis actually had a penalty on them, which would have canceled the play and actually given Mississippi state possession again. So not only did they fail on murking the guy down, but they also missed a call that would have given Mississippi state, I what, believe a first down. And what was the, what was the penalty? I don't remember what it was. Was it two? I want to say they had two guys with the same Jersey. Number that it was, that's exactly right. That's exactly what it was. They had two guys with the same Jersey number, which is illegal substitution or unsportsmanlike conduct, which, which is, it? You know? I believe it's illegal substitution, but I'm pretty sure that it would have been a first, first down, down for the yeah. yardage. Yep. So they butchered that, but that's the tip of the iceberg mm. because you had two instances of referee, I'd say, debauchery in the Penn State-Auburn game. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Uh, well, you can, you can depend, it depends <laughs> if they have an agenda on the actual game or not, but we can, we can talk about that because you might have assumed that they had an agenda on Auburn. It was, it was white out because that's what they had painted on their eyes. Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, you had the Penn State third down punt. Yes, you heard that correct. There was a third down punt because the referees lost track of what down it was and Penn State had to punt on third down. Well, that's what we get for bringing in refs from from Canada, Scott. Then, after that, 
you had a fake punt by Penn State. Fourth and one. They, they It's a, you know, a regular fake. They give it to the protector, runs up the middle. They mark the guy down with forward progress, even though he's clearly pushing the pile. He ends up about two yards past the line of scrimmage, and they marked him down because they prematurely called forward progress. So that ended up being a turnover on downs. Luckily, Penn State won anyway. They covered, so there were no bad beats involved. But the last one was one that both of us had. It was the Boise State fumble recovery touchdown. Another one, another one of my free, another one of my free plays, by the way. <laughs> I had that in the college football show. So Boise was down one with about four minutes to go. Oklahoma State's running back fumbled the ball and it's returned for a touchdown. Now they're at the 40 or so, 45. Boise's guy breaks through everyone. He's running. All these guys are playing and he's at the 10 yard line. No one's in front of him and you hear a whistle. And one ref decided that he had a perfect view of the play. And Oklahoma State's guy's elbow was clearly down before the fumble and marked it down. Now, it wasn't even close to being down, and Boise State challenged and got the ball. However, you cannot advance the ball once it's marked down. So Boise's fumble recovery touchdown was removed. Boise kept possession or got possession, did not score, and instead of taking a five-point lead with three minutes to go, ended up losing the game by one. So four instances, two in one game on why college referees need better eyesight, better glasses, younger officials, really just an awful job all around by the officiating crew in college. One of the worst weekends for officials I've ever seen. I would assume the fifth down controversy in Colorado's game probably tops it, <laughs> but a third down punt is kind of an interesting way of doing the opposite. Isn't why, it? why are my plays involved in all of these? That's, that's what I've got the wrong side of every one of those. I was on the wrong side. I was at that game, by the way. And of course I had a bet on it. I was at the wrong side of that fifth down game. Does that make you feel young, Scott? The, uh, the, the fact does. that I not only remember that game, I was at it and had a bet. So, God. So it's always nice when you do a segment about how horrible the refs were and what terrible beats you take, and two of my three picks make the make that segment. So definitely not a fun time if you were on the wrong side of those. But, Super happy about but it. That's why I think that the refs might have been. I don't know. Maybe they were into ruining people's uh, on a hopes and dreams over the weekend because there was a lot of really really interesting calls that really didn't make any sense at the time. Right. And I'm curious how many people will get fired. Maybe, or how many public apologies are going to need? Maybe they're all like real super Christiany, and they don't think people should be betting on football. I remember last year when Bo Nick spiked the ball backwards, and they called it a spike instead yeah. of a fumble. Yes, yes. There's been some really bad officiating crews over the years. All right, quick reminder, everybody: you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Well, Scott, you know, I know you're, I know you're with your with your dad here tonight, and I'm sure this is something that you hear quite often in your life. But it's time to find out. Who disappointed us in the sports world this weekend, Scott? I'm not mad, just disappointed. This was a very, very sad situation because Texas State, 11-point favorite, they lost to one of the favorite punching bags of all time, Scott. They lost to Incarnate Word. Oof, oof, not good at all. But it was merely a warm-up. For the Pac-12. Now, this is a team that we didn't really care for at the beginning of the season, the Arizona Wildcats. But they were even worse than we thought because they lost to another, uh, not a perennial punching bag, but not a great team in FCS. Northern Arizona. What's that? It's a local team. It's a local team. They lost to Northern Arizona. They were at home. They were a 27-point favorite. And they got beat, Scott. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, Wildcats. Uh, that team stinks. I know you fired Kevin someone. He was just the beginning of your problems. Your program's terrible. Your program is awful. All right, Scott. Well, it was a big, big day for Presbyterian. They played their first game against a scholarship school. Let's find out how it, did, how it went on uh, a little segment that we like to call the oddsmakers were drunk.
You know, we could actually do either side for this. There's a, there's a couple reasons they were drunk. But we're going to start with the fact that Presbyterian, the blue hose, Kevin Kelly, we talked a lot about him on our college show. He's the coach that never punts, finally got his job in college. He punted. He did punt. Presbyterian, by the way, had rolled up 150 points in their first two games. So that was, I believe they scored 84 and 66 is, is what had happened. So they played the Campbell Camels, you know, the uh, uh, fighting camels. The fighting camels. And Campbell, nine and a half point favorite against Presbyterian. Uh, refresh me, Scott. Campbell covered, right? I believe they covered. Seven to eight times over because they won 72 to nothing. 72 to zippy, Scott. Presbyterian threw seven interceptions. They lost three fumbles. I think they were in Campbell territory twice, if I'm not mistaken. See, there was 10 turnovers. They had at least two to two or three, if not more, turnover on downs as well. Oh, yeah, because that's their thing. So 10 turnovers the old-fashioned way with a couple of... Uh, going forward on fourth down, et cetera. And I really wonder, because this is the coach, Scott. What's he known as? He's known as the coach who what? Never punts. Never punts. And he punted. And we found out why they never punt, because it was, I think it was fourth and 26. It was 22 at their own one yard. Fourth and 22. Well, yeah, it was fourth and 20. Then they got a penalty. So they go half the distance to the goal line. So it's fourth and 22. He decided to punt, Scott. Finally decided to punt. Puts a kid in there. I'm not sure if he just tapped some random kid sitting on the bench because the punt went uh, about 20 yards. Got it somewhere inside the 25-yard line. So not ideal. Just brutal. Just absolutely brutal. Nine and a half point favorite. They win 72 to nothing. That's, I'm not sure that's a record, but it certainly was for the weekend. That was just uh, just brutal. And I watched that game, by the way. Well, you had the over. I had, a great, I had a great early line on that. I had 63 was the total. It ended up closing at 79. Brutal spot for the books, though. Caught right in the middle of a 16-point finishing spot. Oh yeah, yeah. That's brutal. Absolutely. If you can't, if you can't get a middle there, my friend, the only thing that saved books was the fact that that 63 wasn't widely available yet. I um, that was a, that was a five dimes tester line. You know where they put the line out and then they they let sharp. I'm assuming better. most books opened up around 66, 67. Yeah, yeah, because they so they it's still they, a bad middle. But they put whatever. they put those numbers up there and they let sharps have at it. And then they know how to adjust their lines accordingly. They pull it off the board, and then when they put it back on, the numbers a lot sharper. And that's usually where other books follow suit. Correct, correct. That's when, yeah, it's that's when other books follow suit. That is absolutely correct. So we're getting that sixty-three, and that was a fantastic number. But uh, yeah, that was uh, Presbyterian Blue Hose Scott not quite ready for prime time. Of course, now in fairness to Kevin Kelly, it's a non-scholarship program. Okay, so you've just you've got kids. The only th- the only thing you got when you try to recruit them is the fact that you're going to come and play for Kevin Kelly, and you're going to have some fun. You're going to you're going to throw the ball around. You're going to have some you're offense. You're going to have a hell of a stat line. You're going to have a hell of a stat line, but you are not likely to uh, to win many games. At least not yet. We're going to see because they've. Uh, I'm curious how you even change a spread moving forward if they play another FCS team. It was nine and a half. What do you? Even, I know it depends on the FCS team, but. They gotta be minimum like four touchdown underdogs, right? Yeah, they've got. I know. I, I don't know who they play their next game, but I know they have a game against San Diego coming up. Which San Diego's a pretty good FCS program. San Diego's gotta be favored by at least four touchdowns in that one. Oh, it's it's gotta be. Um, oh, they play Dayton next week. Another another decent FCS team. That could get ugly. What do you do there? You just you just play team total over against them. The truth is, uh, I don't think you can find a team total with FCS-only matchups. So that's something that's a little bit rare to find. That's a very good point, yeah. I think you're probably just looking at uh, over, if you can get it. I mean, Dayton lost their last game to Southern Illinois 55-3, to but they've won some other games, of course, in FCS. They didn't play last year, but, I mean, damn. If you have no scholarship players and you never punt, if the other team's even competent, you're going to get destroyed. By the way, that Southern Illinois team is a team that pushed K-State. They, they were they right. Were, they I didn't were, say it was a bad team. I'm just saying they got killed. Yeah. So the point is, it was their first game in about that was their second game in the span of two years. So they're going to be annoyed. They got buried and embarrassed. They're going to try to kill this team. I think you just fade Presbyterian here from. Uh, from I think you have to, right? Yeah, you're gonna because you, you're gonna get you're gonna get a good number against uh, against Dayton, and uh, I, I like San. Depends on what a good number is. I mean, Campbell's okay as an FCS team. They're pretty good. 
They lost by 72. Did they take Did they take San Diego? Oh no, there they are. Okay. I thought San Diego was coming up sooner. San Diego's not till the like 20. That's what you can argue that a spread should be 27, 28, whatever. Mm-hmm. They lost by 72 points. And the, I don't know if it matters. The sad thing about that, Scott, it could have been worse. I might be giving them the UMass treatment from last year or two years ago. Just Cam- fade them as much as possible. Campbell absolutely put in put in the third and fourth stringers for the last quarter and a half. They also went uh, four and out at the Presbyterian one yard line in the second half. Yeah, yeah that 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 could have they they could have hung, hung a hundo if they wanted to. They could have. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, all right. Hey, and this is this isn't a big one. This this and this segment will become more important. As we uh, as we go on through the season, we always take a look at who maybe got ousted from the Survivor Series. There was a couple of them this weekend. Really, really two. To be honest, it was a pretty safe week for yeah, Survivor. it was. It was. A lot of people on New England, a lot of people on Tampa. Those teams won easily. But if you tried to get fancy, you might have uh, you might you might have been like Andy Reid and outfancied yourself a little bit because the Seahawks they lost at home to Tennessee. They were six and a half point favorite. And they just absolutely did nothing in the second half. Got outscored 17-6 to in the second half. And the other one, Scott, what else you got? Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you got to mention the Steelers there. I mean, then again, if you're still betting on Big Ben's noodle arm, you kind of had it coming. I, I know that we both like Pittsburgh in the spot solely because of the spot. But, damn, he cannot throw the ball more than 20 yards. No. it's It's painful to watch. It seems to be a problem of uh, a team that can't throw and can't run, Scott. Not sure what you do there. Well, the offensive line we knew going in, according to Pro Football Focus, was one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Yep. Yep. So and they absolutely showed that. No, no question about it. So yeah, if you had the Steelers or the Raiders trying to get fancy, trying to save those good teams for down the road, for you, my friends, there is no down the road. You have been voted off the Survivor Island. I'm hoping to go a long way, but. What's your style with uh, Survivor? Do you like to use the obscure teams first and save the good teams for later or use the good teams first? I like to go, like to use the good teams first and then hopefully I will be able to be a little fancy down the road as the teams start to reveal themselves. I'm the same way. In most cases, I had New England personally because yep. I just knew that Zach Wilson was going to get embarrassed against Belichick. Yep. The rookie quarterback angle against Belichick is disgusting every year. And Nine. cashes every year. Now 10 and 1, sir. Yep. The one rookie to beat him, do you know who it is? Uh, it was Tua, wasn't it? It certainly was. Tua Taglia. Tua, Tag... <laughs> it's Tua. That's right. Yeah. Tried, to get out over, tried to get out over my skis there, and it didn't work out well. All good. At Tag all. Do we not have? Do we not have? Oh, we don't have any sound effects for this next segment, do we? Uh, no, we do not. That is an absolute... That is an absolute oversight. Oh, you know what? Let's do this first, and then we'll get and then we'll do that on the other side of the break. Okay, so Scott, sometimes a hero rises that we need. And oftentimes, when I speak of us, I speak of gamblers. Let's find out today, Scott, who was our gambling hero. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Go ahead, sir. So, college football, late night, Pac-12, taking on the Mountain West. You got Fresno State against UCLA. And Jake Hayner, quarterback for Fresno, put in a Byron Leftwich type performance where his teammates were basically carrying him around for the entire game because he hurt his hip in the fourth quarter, yet led his team to two fourth-quarter touchdown drives, including the game-winning touchdown drive, and he got the ball with less than a minute left. They beat UCLA. He finished with 455 passing yards and two passing touchdowns, both in the fourth quarter, as they upset UCLA. Tremendous performance by him. And Fresno, they might be one of the best group of five teams around. They're good. I like I like this team, Scott. I, I got to admit, I got off of them against UCLA because that was another team that I ended up liking that I thought was kind of average going into the season. and it really Off showed, the bye, too. Right, off a of bye. They really showed me something. Uh, I had UCLA there as a personal play to cover, and of course that went about as well as my free plays did. So, Quickly saying, if you can find a Fresno to win the Mountain West line, I would take it. I'm I was so disappointed in myself because I've been on this Fresno team for two months now, and talking about you know bringing everybody back, how good Hainer is, he's not appreciated. It's not going to be a great price now, but I think this team could be Boise. I think this team could beat South uh, San Jose State. This yep. team, in my opinion, is the best Mountain West team. 
I think you're probably right. All right, guys, let's uh, take a look at some other things. We've got we've got more to come, guys. Stay tuned because we'll be right back after this quick break. So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than the turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, numbers, numbers. But they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwinners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I didn't I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them... Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second half hour of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners... Scott, before we move on from Gambling Hero of the Day, I have a hot take for you. Fresno State, best team west of the Mississippi? Uh, they could be. I think BYU is probably better. Do you? I think it's close. Okay. All right. I think it's close. But... Well, of course, you know, you've got west of the Mississippi, you've got you've got all the Texas teams, so they may not be better than A&M. Or That's te- the thing, though, is you're looking at, yeah, A&M too, but the point is you're looking at Fresno and saying they brought Oregon to the wire mm-hmm. and they ended up beating UCLA. However, the Pac-12 completely fell apart. And Ohio State struggled with Tulsa for three quarters. So I know Oregon won the game against Ohio State impressive. Ohio State might just not be as good as they usually are. So I'll, I'll wait and see about that. Okay, fair enough. I'm just, you know, just the just throwing it out there. All Here's right. All right. So before we get before we get to our picks, let's let's talk about one more thing. And this is always, you know, of course, you've, this, is, this is week two in the NFL is always overreaction day. And that's uh, we had some of that. And then we had some teams that kind of showed us who they were. So it's fine. It's, it's time to find out, Scott, who should be freaking out and who should be chilling out. I can't believe we don't have music for this, but we don't. So first of all, I'll start. In a game on Sunday night that most of you probably saw, Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens, uh, everybody talks about the Chiefs' offense, how good Pat Mahomes is, and uh, all of that turned out to be incredibly accurate. However, this Chiefs' defense, Scott, they were beyond awful. Gave up 251 yards on the ground, 490 yards total. Can a team with a defense that bad really have serious championship aspirations? I'll let you go first. No, that's my question to you, Scott. I know. I was going to let you answer that because I feel like you have a rant coming. Oh, I do. Um, well, my, my, my rant is no. No, not without fixing that defense. See, here's the thing. Do you the, think they have to fire the coordinator? you think Spagnuolo is gone? No. No. You think it's solely based on just a lack of quality personnel? I do. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I don't think it's schematic. Um, although I'm just curious if there's an overreaction where you, of course, use the coach as a scapegoat instead of you know admitting that the players aren't good. It's enough. not generally the style of Clark Hunt and general manager Brett Veach. It's not a midseason. This is not a midseason fire team, and you, you certainly 
you can't you can't have a team that goes to the Super Bowl two years in a row and then fire your DC two games in. It's I agree. It's I'm just saying. It. I'm sure some people are calling for his job. So well, there are probably whispers going on. We've we've talked about this in the past, Scott. With with all these coaching changes, the question is, who do you replace him with? And when a defensive coordinator is the job you're talking about, you have to wonder about who you replace him with, and what system they're going to run. And are you going to change systems after the second week of the game, our second week of the season? Yeah, none of that's going to happen. It's just something we're going to have to live with and hopefully correct. But the Chiefs, you and I talked about a little bit before the show, and I'll share the information with you if you don't know. The Chiefs were 10-1 and last year in one-score games. And that is not sustainable. If you're, if you're a stat nerd like Scott and I are, you know that that should be roughly around 50-50. It's it's yeah. very similar to one run games in baseball. It's going it's going to average out and 10 and 1 is not sustainable and you you leave yourself with no margin for error and that's exactly what the Chiefs did on Sunday night when they had the opportunity to go down and win the game. Everybody's used to the Chiefs just marching right down there and doing their thing, kicking the game-winning field goal as time expired. And when you leave yourself no room for error and you make an error, you end up losing the game and that's exactly what happened. Um, I don't, I, I don't know that I've seen a lot in the AFC to worry me as a Chiefs fan yet, but that defense is troubling, and there has to be some, there has to be some things fixed because they're not, it's not a situation like Baltimore where you're missing a bunch of guys and you've got excuses. We're missing one guy, Scott. We've got, we've got Willie Gay, who's a linebacker in there, good young linebacker, because sideline to sideline guy, he ain't going to make the difference between. 251 yards on the ground and 120. You, you, we it's, something has to be done. I think that's a fair point. The way I'm looking at it is that the Chiefs, in my opinion, are still the best team in the AFC. Cleveland people making arguments a top five team in the AFC, top four. They still won the game. It was close, but they won. Baltimore is a very unique team that has a, a system that nobody else can run because Lamar Jackson isn't like any other quarterback in the league. So I think that Baltimore just be, might just be a decent matchup for Kansas City this year because the ground defense is so bad and no other team can run the ball like Baltimore can. But if you want to talk about the Bills and all these other teams, I would still pick the Chiefs. It's not like anybody's going to pick another team against the Chiefs in the playoffs. You just assume the Chiefs will figure it out. Having said that, I do think going into the year, I had Tampa versus Kansas City and Tampa winning. And do I think that this team is good enough in comparison to last year's team to dethrone Tampa? And I think the answer is no. Not yet. In my opinion. Not right, as of right now. Not as they stand right now. No no question about it. If you're still high on the Chiefs, may not be a bad week to buy low because I guarantee you those uh, Super Bowl odds are going to be coming down. I'm just saying that if you are buying low on the Chiefs or whatever you want to call it, this is the lowest you'll get with the Chiefs this year because they're still a top two team in all of football. Agreed. Okay. All right. Well, that's... I kind of feel like I'm on the ledge here, so you maybe talk me down just a little bit. What else you got? Who else? Who else have we got to talk about freaking out or chilling out? So, you, so if you're a Chiefs fan, you're saying chill out. That's that. That's the takeaway. The truth is, if you're a Chiefs fan, you still feel good about getting a home game in the playoffs, and you trust Mahomes wherever he goes. You are still winning that game handily. You just got to tell Andy Reid the games are 60 minutes and not 45. Yeah. Yes. That's and- that, that's really it. Your team just stopped trying to score in the fourth quarter. But anyway, we talked about your team. Let's talk about one of my teams. All right. You have the Jets, and they got buried by New England. Thank you very much. I had New England. Uh, But the Jets and the Jaguars, of course, number one and number two in the draft, uh, Jaguars and then Jets, drafted franchise-altering quarterbacks with the NFL draft over the last couple of months. And both of them have, well, been awful, stunk, uh, been terrible, bench-worthy, really a lot of synonyms you want to use. Zach Wilson. Through four interceptions yesterday against New England, and Trevor Lawrence completed less than half of his passes against Denver. Now, both teams have lost uh, each of the first two games of the season. Is there a reason for both those franchises to worry, or do you think it's still too early? I think it's still too early, but I would be worry adjacent. Uh, I wouldn't. Are you worried about one team more than the other? You think it's kind of the same on both sides? I would be more worried, you know, that's that's hard to say because there weren't expe- expectations for either one of these teams going forward. It's hard to say which one has been worse because I thought, uh, I, I thought that Zach Wilson was okay in the opener against Carolina where Lawrence has really sucked for two games. 
So if I'm if I'm if I'm Jacksonville, I'm probably more worried than if I'm the New York Jets. Probably not so the way Jets ag- fans see it, though. We agree. Uh, I think it's Jacksonville. And the reason is a little bit different than your logic, but it's still we reach the same conclusion. Point is, the Jets also had a pretty tough schedule. New England's defense, pretty good. Carolina's defense might be one of the most underrated units in the league. That's a good defense. Certainly looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah, they look really good. So you're looking at those two games. Wilson was awful against New England. We expected that. Belichick was going to ruin his uh, his just psyche. We knew that was going to happen. Rookie. However, Lawrence, on the other hand, so he, Wilson went up against two quality defenses. Lawrence went up against Denver, which is okay. Yep. And Houston. Houston's defense That's a problem. is awful. Yep. And Lawrence was still bad in that game. I think the answer is Jacksonville, but not just because of Lawrence. It's because you brought in an offensive genius in Urban Meyer who's supposed to try to mold the kid. And I know that he's only two games in. This whole system looks like a disaster. Mm-hmm. And we thought that Urban Meyer was going to be a disaster. I thought Jacksonville might have the worst record in the league for a nice – I believe they were 12-1 to 1 to have the worst record in the league going into the year. I thought that was a nice plus price. Yep. Maybe 10-1, to 12-1. to 1. I think that's the bigger concern. It isn't just Lawrence. It's can Lawrence and Urban Meyer work together? And as of right now, Urban Meyer's probably been as bad as I thought he was going to be. I was very low on the hire, and I think it's going to get worse. You? Yeah, well, when we we did our draft show, I put it out there that I didn't think Lawrence was this uh, franchise-altering, life-changing quarterback. I thought he was fine. I thought he was a good college quarterback. I didn't necessarily think it was going to translate to the pros now i'm not going to people saw trevor lawrence and they thought that he was supposed to be andrew luck he's not andrew luck i'm sorry no he's not he uh you know again i'm not going to take a victory lap two games in because he could certainly change it around turn it around hell he could he could suck all year and be good next year we've seen it before you know you look at peyton manning's first season john elway's first season you know these guys that aikman's first season these guys that were thrown right to the wolves um, you know, and they, they all sucked their first season and ended up having great careers. So it could certainly still happen for the hippie. But as of right now, the things don't look good in Jacksonville, buddy. I, I just look at it from a coaching perspective. I thought that Meyer would be awful, and I thought that he'd leave in a year or two. I don't even know if he's going to get to a year or two because if this gets worse and they potentially go 1-16 and next year's even worse – I knew it was going to all go wrong when they drafted a running back in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's when I kind of knew that this thing was about to take on a kind of just a disastrous form in its own. Well, especially since the running back's out for the year. Besides that, I just mean the fact that your defense is so bad, the fact that you really had a lot of holes, and you took a running back where you already had a good running back with James Robinson. I just knew at that point this team doesn't really have a sense of direction, no. and I think they're going to be in a world of hurt for the next couple of years. So speaking of college football, you and I, I think – we, one of our big complaints was when we talked about expanding the playoffs was the fact that it's always the same team. It's, a, it's always the same. There's like five teams. You're always going to see four of them. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama. Let's go Coastal. Come on. Coastal just about choked it away. but Just I, about. Didn't do it, though. I digress. So Go BYU. Two of those five teams, Scott, now have one loss. Clemson Tigers, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Who should be more concerned? And are either one or both of those teams going to miss the playoffs? See, it's really a tricky question. And I actually put the question in there, but it's tough because Clemson's yeah, don't, don't looked- put the question in there yourself and they go, I have no idea. No, I'm going to say <laughs> it's tough because Clemson's looked worse up to this point, but their conference is significantly easier. Georgia tech, oh. Georgia tech. I know they couldn't score against Georgia. Tech. Oh my God. Was- it was terrible, but Ohio state lost to a ranked Oregon team. But the Big Ten, Wisconsin's not as great as it usually is, but it's still ranked. Iowa could be very good. Michigan looks like it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State should be ranked. So it's a, it's a difficult conference. And we're assuming Ohio State, if they lose one game in conference play at all, even not a conference title, but if they lose one game and Penn State too, you go. then they're going to miss the playoff. You go. But Clemson is so bad. The question is, are they bad enough to actually lose to North Carolina? Not to Miami. Miami stinks. They should fire Diaz midseason. But I'm going to say that Clemson should be, despite everything I just said, just because you really couldn't score against Georgia Tech for two quarters. Georgia Tech, buddy. Are you out of your mind? DJ, 
buddy, throw the ball around. Come on. I know you lost Rodgers from your receiving core. I know your running backs aren't as good without ETN. You got to move the ball against Georgia Tech. I mean, that's just brutal. You know, they do have they do have a pretty easy walk for the rest of the season. That's why it's tricky. They, they, because they, Ohio they, State is a tough walk, but they've looked better. They uh, Clemson. Clemson misses North Carolina. They do have to go up against North Carolina State, a team that has well, shown yeah. promise at times. But they're I'm assuming ACC title game probably facing North Carolina. Yeah, I would think so. They're they're going to miss they're going to miss Virginia Tech. They're mm-hmm. uh, they're like I said they're they're going to miss North Carolina. You've got NC State. You got Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh lost to Western Michigan. I'm tossing them in the garbage. Yeah, that and that was another shocker because that, six touchdown passes and you lose the game. Pittsburgh team would look really good. That was a team that I was kind of high on for a sneaky team. Uh, and they've got and they've got Wake Forest, a team that all of a sudden looks decent. And I think Florida State just stinks. Well, that's yeah, that's certainly true. That is. A, I'm not going to overreact to Wake. I think that's a mediocre seven and five team. Yeah. Well, what's what's Georgia Tech, buddy? Good question. Probably. Five and seven, four and eight. I was going to say that's not. I don't think that's a five hundred team. It's not good. So yeah, not good at all. This by the way, that was a home game against Georgia Tech. It was bad. They're touching the rock and everything, or the piece of wood, or whatever the hell that is. So, all right, guys. Quick reminder that you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. And Scott, that's what we're getting ready to do right now. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the professional baseball schedule that's coming up. And yes, that's right, kids. There's still baseball going on. Two weeks left, Scott. Two weeks from yesterday. The season will be all done and it'll be just down to the playoffs. A lot of fun stuff going on. If you're if you're if you're still a fan of this of the seams, there is um there's some races. There's there's really no division races. Any any chance any of these division races are not over, Scott? Yeah. Oh, you got the NL West, obviously, because the Dodgers and the Giants are world beaters in right. the same division. Yeah, I should have said so besides that one, but uh, besides that one, I think the Phillies get the Braves. I actually think they will. Okay. Braves have not been playing well lately. Phillies needed that game yesterday though, against the Mets, which they ended up losing. Yeah, but that hurt. I like the way they've been playing Philly's schedule. Pretty easy. The rest of the way. I actually think they catch the Braves. All right. Well, screw you. Cause I've gotten my Braves ticket. So thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you asked me a question. I'm answering. Yeah, I, you I like. Are you are you thrilled with the way the Braves have played lately? No, nah, four and six last ten. Phillies are five and five. That was a huge game yesterday. But like you said, yeah, you put That's this an easy schedule for the Phillies. Put it this way: I'd rather be the Braves right now than the Phillies. I'd rather be I, I'd rather be two games up with fifteen to go than two games behind. It's true. I'm just saying, comparing the schedule, the Phillies should hypothetically at least tie the Braves at some point. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a, a Braves team that definitely got some challenges left, Scott. They've got they've got four with Arizona. They kind of need to take care of business there, but then they get San Diego, then they get Philly, and then they get the Mets. So that's likely a division that's going to be decided the last week of the season. Yeah, the Mets might be dead by then, so it depends if the Mets want to play spoiler or not. Right. But those games against Philly are important. That was a brutal loss, though, on Friday night. You're one strike away from being the Giants and you give up a pinch hit home run in the in the ninth. Well, that's what they get for not scoring more than four and a half runs. Just saying though, that was the Braves though needed they needed that win and they blew the save in the ninth. Well the game that, that, was, that was brutal. The game that I'm most interested in seeing tonight, Scott, is our new presumptive favorite for the American League, Cy Young, as he goes up against uh, that's Robbie Ray, by the way, for those of you that are new to the show. Um, he goes up against Shane Baz. And if you don't know Shane Baz, he is a guy that uh, is a great prospect. The people in Tampa Bay have been clamoring all year for him to uh, make an appearance. And he's going to make an appearance. Scott is going to get his first major league appearance against Robbie Ray. Are they overvaluing this kid a little bit? Because the number on Toronto, by the way, a team playing pretty good baseball right now. Robbie Ray, you can get him minus 122 at a couple different spots. You can get him at William Hill. You can get him at the Westgate, minus 122. Pinnacle's got him minus 126. Is that a bargain? I think it has to be, just because you don't know what you're going to get from the brand-new rookie pitcher. And Ray, of course, has been the best pitcher in the AL this season. Toronto's been good. Tampa hasn't really been playing great ball lately. They lost 2 out of 3 to Detroit right. over the weekend. So I think it is a bargain. I think that Baz is going to be really good. I think he might win rookie of the year next year. 
but that's next year. Now he's facing off in his first start against one of the best offenses in the league. And Ray, didn't he just beat Tampa last week? Yep. So I think that there's value on Toronto at the current number. However, I actually like the first five under. I think Baz are going to pitch pretty well. Okay. I think you'll see runs at a premium. Baz, maybe it's just because he's a top 20 prospect in baseball, but I think that he's going to perform decently here. And I think Ray's going to pitch well, so I'll go with the first five on. Yeah, and you and I talked about that when we were do- when we were doing our show prep today. It, it it usually goes one of two ways for rookies, no matter how highly touted they are. That doesn't really seem to factor in too much. They're either going to go out there and be really good because nobody has a book on them, nobody knows what they throw in situations, or they're going to be overmatched and they're going to stink. So. That's, you get a live bet after the first two batters. That bats. It's not a. It's not a bad plan if you if you want to play this game. I I like taking Toronto. I think there's good value. But if you want to hold off and watch, and see it and see if Baz just has wicked stuff and nobody can touch him, and then make a live play, you can certainly do that. I don't hate your first five under either, as long as we can get it four and a half. Full game total is eight. I got a bad feeling we're going to be looking at we're going to be looking at a juice three and a half. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think it'll be higher than three and a half. Well, I mean, I don't know what you I don't know what you do with it because you, it's not going to be four. Most most are on the half, and I just don't know with these two pitchers if you're going to make it four and a half in a game with a total of eight. I, I, if you don't do any whole numbers with four, it's probably a heavily juiced four and a half under, right? Or a decently juiced three and a half over. Yep. I think it'll be four flat for those books. But in the trop, at the end of the day, I think there's multiple ways to win the t- to win the first five under. Baz could pitch well, and you could end up winning. Or Baz struggles, they pull him somewhat early, and Ray pitches a gem. You have a couple ways to win it. Yeah, very good. Um, trying to see, I'm trying to, trying to see any other games that that are relevant here. Uh, Tyler Anderson going against Sean Manaya for Oakland as Seattle. Uh, tries to not let their postseason hopes just fade away. I believe they're four games back of the wild card spot right now. Two teams that are trying not to let their wild card dreams fade away. Scott, who you got here? A big big number on Oakland minus one sixty. Um, Tyler Anderson's pitched well, pretty well for Seattle since coming over. You see any value on the uh, on the Mariners in this spot? I do. Uh, Oakland, I know they took care of business against the Angels. Congratulations. That's what you're supposed to do. However, looking at the Mariners, I know this team is still in the hunt despite the awful run differential. But if you want to look at the head-to-head numbers, Seattle is 8-4 and four against Oakland this season. So you're getting an 8-4 and four team head-to-head. That's roughly going to be plus 140-something. I like the value there. I feel like you could kind of have to look at Seattle. You? Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I'm 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 always looking for value. Do you buy into head to head? I think you have to because especially for division matchups because these teams know each other so well. Yeah, I don't. I I, I think it's certainly not going to be the main factor, but it certainly has to come into play. Especially, it's different when you have six meetings in a season, five meetings in a season, and there's not enough of a sample size. When you play 19 games against each other, Mm -hmm. you know everything about the other team. They're 12 games through in Seattle. The underdog is eight and four. So I think there's value automatically on the underdog here. Okay, good enough. Uh, I'm looking at Atlanta with Yanoa going against Umberto Mejia and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think Atlanta on the run line is a good play there. Should be somewhere in the neighborhood of minus 110 or so, maybe even, even money depending on where you get it. What would you expect for a team total on that for Atlanta? Five and a half? I would expect, well, it's it's either nine or nine and a half, depending on where you get it. So I would expect in a normal situation it to be five and a half. Now, whatever you're going to find it, what is that, BetMGM? Uh, yeah. It's got the ridiculous numbers. It'd probably be four and a half at BetMGM at minus 120 or something. But I'm assuming for most scenarios, five and a half. Yes, I would, I would agree. I, I don't hate the team total over there. You get nine at bats. I probably like the run line a little bit better. Give me the opportunity to pick up that four four to one victory. I'm actually looking at Arizona for this one. Really? Uh, Just because of the fact that Atlanta has just been awful lately. I know that you're holding on hope and you want them to win because of the division. Good win against the Giants yesterday. They are still one and four in their last five. They really have not been playing good ball. I think that Atlanta should win, but I think they're going to be overly priced as favorites and I'm not really a fan of how they're playing because, as we know, baseball's pretty streaky. Arizona's a lot 
more competent at home than on the road. It's still awful either way, but I don't know. I think, I think Atlanta is going to be too big of a favorite. I'll look for the value with the dog. Okay. Very good. And this is, yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. I just don't see any value on the Braves. In this in this game, you don't see value there? I don't, because then again, I don't have a line in front of me. Okay. But I also got to wonder when the books start to factor in the motivation angle. And you start seeing, like in hockey, when you have minus 400 favorites on the money line because a team needs to win. You're going to see that priced in with baseball. The or, Braves need to win. They have something to play for. We're not Oakland is something to play. We're for. not there yet, though. This is a uh, who Oscar. No, but that's the point. I'm asking since I don't know what the line is. I'm curious just, when I, does that point start. I just told you what the line is. No, but I didn't hear. Wait, what did you say? What the I line just was? told you what the line is. It's like minus. It's like minus one sixty. Run line should be somewhere around minus one ten. You know for a fact it's one sixty. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a little low. <laughs> I, I figured they were going to be around two hundred. Westgate has it at minus one sixty eight. DraftKings has it at minus one forty five. I'm sorry, what? 145. 145 is what DraftKings has it right now. 145. Okay, well, that changes everything, okay? Like, I assume that it would close Atlanta minus 190, minus 200. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it still might. Yeah, so They're, if I'm going by closing one, it's Arizona, but at 145, it's pretty tough to pass on the Braves. Yeah, I kind of evened it out there. They were going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 160. I, I didn't hear you mention the line before, so okay. sorry about that. That's all right. It's only an hour, and we expect you to pay attention for the whole 60 minutes. I checked out about 20 minutes ago. I know you did. <laughs> After we stopped talking about football, Scott's gone. Uh, anything else on the baseball card gets your attention before we go to our uh, bet the farm? Uh, yeah, pretty tricky with the lines because it is a double header. But I'm looking at McKenzie okay. uh, for game two yep. against or game one. I'm not even sure when he's pitching at this point because I've heard multiple things. Right. But McKenzie has been otherworldly over the last month and a half. Yep. And Cleveland won two out of three against the Yankees. More importantly, they actually scored a couple runs for once, so good for them. And Plesak's not on the mound, so they won't get no hit. So I'll look for Cleveland. You? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'll just give you a couple of McKenzie stats here, Scott. Over the last month, he's made five starts, 109 ERA, a ridiculous whip of .45. So that basically means he's given up three base runners per start. That is just an incredible streak. I'm not sure... I'm not sure I've seen a five-game streak like that. I'm sure I have. I just don't remember it, where you've given up 15 base runners in five games. That's just unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm I'm on uh, McKenzie here. I just I'm not sure what to make of that. We got to see which game he actually starts. Is it right now? He's slated to go in game one. It's supposed to be him and Singer. That game was on the board earlier. It's now the odds are down, so there could be some changes coming. All right, so there you go. Hey Scott, let's do it, man. We put our heads together. We've come up with a play. And, uh, yeah, we're doing it not just on some obscure baseball play. We're doing it on the main event, baby. It is time to put on your straw hat, climb up on John Deere, and fire that sucker up, everybody. Get ready to bet the farm. So for everybody out there that's listened to the show for about 55 minutes and going, why the hell haven't they talked about the football game? You know there's a football game. It's Monday Night Football, guys. Yeah, we know. We're aware. It is the Green Bay Packers hosting the Detroit Lions, and that is going to be our play of the day in Bet the Farm. We've got the Lions-Packers over 48.5. That's available at minus 110 at DraftKings. A couple of fun stats here for you to get rolling. Lions allowed 41 points last week to the 49ers. End up losing 41-33. Packers uh, almost said, hold my beer. They gave up 38 to the Saints. Yeesh. And uh, that's not good. The Lions, 24th-ranked defensive line in the league. 30th ranked secondary, and that was with Jeff Okuda. And guess what? He gone. Out for the season. So that is a reason for alarm there if you are a Detroit Lions fan. Lastly, Packers are going to be without a pass rusher extraordinaire, Zadarius Smith. And this could... We could see a lot of points here, is what I'm saying, Scott. I like this. It's possible the Packers get there by themselves, or at least get very, very close. Give me the Lions, Packers... 48 and a half. Don't sweat it, kids, if we're down in the fourth quarter because there's going to be some Lions garbage time and the Lions are the king of the garbage. So that's going to do it for our Bet the Farm play. Lions Packers over 48 and a half. We appreciate you guys checking us out on Monday. Hope you've had some fun. Maybe learned a little something. We love doing what we do and we will see you next time. For myself and for Scott Reichel, good luck on all your plays today. You guys take care. We'll see you tomorrow on Winners and Winners Radio. Take care, everybody.